Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. So with that, let's continue our worship as we go, as we return to God's word. I want to invite you to stand as we read from Matthew chapter 6 as we continue our series through the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And skipping down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your Son Jesus, to speak uh, to us so clearly from uh, this sermon, we pray that you would use it to pierce our hearts, to show us the places in our life where we need your Holy Spirit to continue to renew us, and that we might respond with greater transparency before you and before others. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A few months ago in a sermon, I confessed to all of you that I was in a rock and roll band when I was in middle school. Some of you may remember the name, the Aquarium Rescue Unit. Great name for a middle school rock and roll band. Uh, Before I was graciously kicked out of the band for not being very good at guitar, uh, we had the opportunity in seventh grade to play in the talent show. We played at Nirvana was huge at the time, right, in the mid-90s, and so we played Nirvana. And as a seventh grader, being up on the stage, having all of your friends cheering and yelling and screaming, it was intoxicating, right? If you've ever been in that position, you've ever been up on stage, you have people cheering, calling your name, as a seventh grade boy, I was on top of the world, right? We all love to be noticed by other people, don't we? We all love to be seen. 
I can remember when our kids were really young, they always wanted us to watch them do stuff, right? Any new thing that they did, any exciting thing that they did, mom, dad, look, watch me, watch me, watch me. And if we were distracted by something, they would come and like literally turn our heads so that we could see them and watch them and notice what they were doing. And particularly when we do something that we think is important, that we feel is important, we want someone to see us. We want someone to notice us. This points to what I believe is, a, is a, an, an innate human desire for connection and for community, to be accepted. But what happens is, just like every other legitimate, good, innate desire that we all share, this desire can also go wrong when it's refracted through our human condition as fallen people, as sinful people. The Bible makes clear that all of our being, our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, all of it has been affected in some way to, some, to one degree or another by our fall into sin. And this desire, the desire for connection, the desire to be noticed, the desire to be seen is no exception. And this section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is a warning. You heard it there in the first word, right there in verse 1. Beware, Jesus says. He's giving us something to watch out for, something to, a danger to be aware of. He wants us to know that this kingdom of heaven that he's been talking about throughout this sermon uh, it doesn't, it isn't without risks. It isn't without a, a potential pitfalls and dangers. And this morning, what I want us to do is two things. First, I want us to hear Jesus' diagnosis of the problem that he spells out here. The diagnosis of this desire to be noticed gone wrong. How has this happened? And then secondly, what I want us to do is I want us to see the solution. How do we do what Jesus says and beware of what he's telling us to be aware of? That's where we're going. What's the problem? And then what's the solution? First, what is Jesus telling us to beware of here? Well, the shorthand term for what he's, telling, what he's warning us about is hypocrisy. Uh, in each of the three examples that he gives, uh, giving, prayer, and fasting, he uses the word hypocrite as, the, as someone that he says that we ought to avoid. What is a hypocrite? Uh, we use that word a lot today, uh, and sometimes we just use it to refer to anybody we don't like, right? Uh, you're a hypocrite, and that's like a big insult. Well, but what does Jesus actually mean when he says, don't be like the hypocrites? Well, look at verse 1. He gives us, uh, in, that, in verse 1, a kind of a blanket uh, description of this warning, and then he gives the examples afterwards for giving, praying, and fasting. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Notice a couple of things about that definition. First, Jesus doesn't say, Beware of practicing your righteousness. Right? He's already told his disciples, you need to put this righteousness of the kingdom that I've been proclaiming into practice. We, he expects it to be uh, worked out in our life in a, a, in a real and tangible way. And so Jesus isn't saying, hey, don't worry about practicing your righteousness. No, he says, put, uh, put this righteousness into practice in your life. Uh, the, second, no, the second thing I want you to notice is he doesn't say, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Remember back in the last chapter, Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. 
And so there's, a, there's an extent to which Jesus and the rest of the scriptures expect that as believers begin to practice their righteousness, as we begin to put into practice the things that Jesus tells us, as we repent and obey and begin to be changed by Jesus, that other people are going to notice that. Other people are going to see that in your life. And, and uh, there's, a, there's almost an assumption in the Bible that others are either going to see it and not like it, or others are going to see it and they're going to say, tell me more about Jesus. How is it that you've changed? Tell me more about the way that you live your life. Um, think about Daniel who prayed in such a way, but he, and people saw him praying. Now, he wasn't doing it to be ostentatious, but they saw him praying. And so that, that, he's not saying don't practice your righteousness before other people, like hide all of it. But notice what he does say. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's the key phrase in this definition. A hypocrite, according to Jesus, is someone whose religious life is ultimately a performance for other people. Like an actor who puts on a mask and pretends to be someone that he's not in order that his audience might be entertained. The religious hypocrite does things not for God, but they do, but they do them for the praise of other people. But what does hypocrisy look like in action? If that's what a hypocrite is, what does it look like as it's sort of played out in our life? Well, Jesus gives us these three examples to illustrate it. Giving, praying, and fasting. And in each of these examples, the person does something to draw attention to themselves and their particular whatever they're doing. Uh, He says, don't blow a trumpet before you as you give, as he's speaking about giving. Uh, This was not likely something that someone literally did as they blew a trumpet down the street as they put their money in the box. But uh, usually in the synagogues of Jesus' day, uh, the large donations would be announced from the front uh, for, uh, uh, for the sake of the congregation. You know, we want to thank you, Mr. Shammai, for his gift of so many shekels, and we're going to use that to do this and that. Well, there were people, Jesus says, who gave for the sake of getting that announcement so that they would be praised by other people. Wow, look how generous he is. Look how how uh, sacrificial he is. Uh, when he talks about praying, he's, he gives sort of two different examples, two different prayers, people who pray. Uh, the one, uh, he says, loves to, to get asked to pray in public. Maybe met someone like this, or someone who is always looking to be the one to show how fervently or how frequently they pray. Uh, These are the people who love to get called on by the rabbi to stand up in synagogue and to offer the prayers standing up, and they would do them out in public. But the implication here is that the prayer life that you see in the synagogue is not the prayer life that you would see if you were at home with them by themselves. The other prayer uh, has a similar problem in that uh, there's a a dysfunction in their relationship with God because they believe that they have to pray in a certain way or say a a repetition of a particular word in order to get God's attention. Uh, That that person uh, uh, similarly has a dysfunction in their relationship with God uh, that's similar to the hypocrite because they don't understand what it means to know God. The faster wants to make sure that everyone sees just how much they sacrifice for the Lord. He said that they disfigure their faces. They, they, would, they would make themselves deliberately look miserable so that other people would see them and go, man, 
isn't he devoted to the Lord? Look how miserable he is. So they all do something to draw attention to the fact that they are generous, that they are devoted, and that they are committed. But at the end of the day, the hypocrite uses the things of God in order to get what they really want. And that is the praise of other people. They use God, they use others to get what they really want, the attention of other people. But why would they do this? Why would anyone go to the effort to put on a show, a religious show for other people to make them impressed with who they are? Well, there's a deeper spiritual problem that's at the root of religious hypocrisy that Jesus wants you to see. And that is that the religious hypocrite does not know God as their father. They don't know God as their father. We see this because what does Jesus tell the disciples to do in contrast to the hypocrite? Each time he concludes with the same phrase, give, pray, fast, but do it in private where your father is and the and your father who sees in secret will reward you. The hypocrite performs in front of others because either they don't believe God sees them in private, or if they do believe that, the knowledge that God sees them and approves of them and is, and is pleased with them doesn't really matter to them. The opinion of others is more important than whatever God thinks of them. There is an insecurity in their relationship with God. And because they are unsure if God really sees them and they are unsure if God really loves them, they live their lives in such a way to attract the attention of people to prop up their own sense of self. We we see this in human relationships all the time. You've probably been told, and maybe this has been your experience in life, that if you didn't have a, a strong bond with your mom or with your dad as a kid and learn how to and, and learn that you were accepted and loved in your home, that maybe you went out and, and looked for that approval and that acceptance from all kinds of other sources, usually destructive sources. People that that uh, tr- that try to look for the acceptance that they missed when they were young in the acceptance and the love of others. And on top of that, if if your relationship with God is one in which you feel you need to perform in order to attain or to keep the love of your Father, have I been good enough? Have I done enough? Have I prayed in the right way? Have I said the right things? Have I been faithful enough? If those are the questions that you're constantly asking about your relationship with God, then you are at risk for becoming a hypocrite. Why? Because if your relationship is always unsure at home with your father, then you're always going to be looking to affirm it in other ways by looking for the approval of other people. And so behind every act of hypocrisy, there is a theological insecurity. Well, how can we know if we have this problem? How can you and I diagnose ourselves? Well, first, if you're not a Christian this morning, you may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not religious and I don't do religious things. I don't feel any pressure to do religious things. And so this really is not an issue for me. 
But this is not a uniquely religious problem. Uh, Everybody has someone whose opinion matters to them. You have someone whose opinion matters to you. Someone who, uh, whose approval would mean the world to you and whose disapproval might have the power to crush you. Someone who, about whom you might think, if, if so-and-so knew what I did, boy, they would be very disappointed with me. Or if so-and-so knew what I did, they'd be so proud of me. And so we live, we all live our lives for somebody. We live our lives for the approval of somebody. And so what happens is that when we live it for the, for the, uh, for the approval of others, it's a shaky foundation. But who is that person for you? Who are those people for you? Who do you live your life for? Whose attention do you long to get? Whether you're religious or not, this is a question that you have to ask. But if you're a Christian, let me ask you a couple of additional questions. Why do you come to church? On Sundays, the social pressure that that once existed to go to church has largely disappeared in our society, but that doesn't mean that it still doesn't exist in our circles. It can be tempting to come to church because you want others to believe that you're a spiritual person, or you want to get the attention of a boy or a girl that you want to believe that you are a spiritual person. If you knew a certain person wasn't going to be here, on any particular Sunday, would you still come? Would you say, you know, it's, it doesn't really work for me because it doesn't get what I want? Second question, why, why do you serve? Uh, when a particular ministry is uh, announced, a need is announced from, uh, from up front, do you think, you know, I should probably sign up for that because I don't want anybody to think that I'm lazy or that I don't pull my weight around here? Um, do you get upset when others don't recognize your sacrifices or your contributions or, or all of the things that you have to offer to the church or to others? Or worse, if someone else gets the credit for something that you do, how does that make you feel? Does that burn you up inside to not get the credit that you feel you deserve? Are, are you content to serve in the background where no one can see you, where nobody notices Are you constantly sort of taking the temperature of the room to make sure that that what you say or what you do is going to please the people whose ear you want to have? Or what about worship? Do you pray with the same fervency and frequency at home that you do when you're here? When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when the offering plate is passed, do you come forward to partake or do you put money in the offering plate as an act of worship to Jesus? Or do you think, well, people are going to think I'm weird if I stay in my seat, so I should probably go up. Well, I don't want the person at the end of the row to think that I'm stingy, and so I, I guess I should probably put something in the plate. Does your worship life spill over outside of today into other parts of your life? Do you worship the Lord by yourself? Do you worship the Lord with your family? Do you Is there any worship of the Lord outside what people see on Sunday mornings? Those are some of the questions that we can ask ourselves to diagnose. And this is is a problem that we all have, we all face. We all want to be noticed by people. And we all want other people to be impressed with us, quite frankly. So what's the solution? 
how does Jesus say that we can beware of this issue in our lives? Two things I want you to see. First, I want you to see just how fleeting the praise of other people can be. You see how fleeting the praise of other people can be. Did you notice that Jesus says that there is a reward for being a hypocrite? Did you know that? There's a, there's a great reward for being a hypocrite. In fact, Jesus says if you're, the, the hypocrites, they have received their reward. What's the reward for being a hypocrite? Well, people are going to think really highly of you. People are going to likely ask you to do things for them and to give you positions of leadership and influence. People may write articles about you or newspaper uh, articles. They may post stuff about you on social media that will get like a million likes. If, if you work to impress other people, there is a lot of reward in that. And that's what Jesus says. But the catch is, that's the only reward that you get. There is no eternal reward for being praised by other people. In fact, I think if all of us are honest, we recognize that, that even the praise that we get from other people doesn't even, doesn't even last the rest of our lifetime. Often, the praise that we get from other people doesn't last more than a week. If, you've, if you watch the news or if you're, God forbid, on Twitter, you can see that, like, uh, that, that, that what's news one day is, is, is forgotten the next day. And so if you live your life to be praised by other people, you should know that that's just going to disappear like smoke in your life. It's going to be gone tomorrow. And so Jesus wants you to see that don't live for the limited and and empty and transitory and fleeting reward of being liked by other people, of being thought highly of by other people. Because when it comes to what really matters, you'll be empty-handed. Friends, I want you to see that that the, the praise of other people is really so temporary. It's so fleeting. Don't live for it. So that's the first, thing you, the first thing that we can do to be aware of it, to be aware of that reality. The second thing, and, and mo- most important, is that you need to make your heavenly Father your reward. Your heavenly Father needs to be your reward. At the end of each of these ex- examples, Jesus says the same thing three times. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. He says it three times because he finds it that important for you and I to hear. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now that sounds odd to us in some ways because we, it sounds like, okay, well, instead of performing for these other people, I'm supposed to perform for God so that he'll give me a reward instead of these other people. But that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is this. Knowing God as your Father and living in such a way that pleases Him is the greatest reward there is. This is what you were made to do. You were made to know God. You were made to live in fellowship with God. You were made and created to live in connection and community with Him. That's why you have the desire you have to be connected to other people. But we always seek to find it in these things that just continue to disappear in our life. 
including the praise of other people. But here, Jesus offers you the kind of community, the kind of connection, the kind of acceptance and love that can never fade away, that can never be taken away, that can never be diminished. It's not going to slip through your hands like sand or like smoke. It's something that you can count on. It's something that you can depend upon. It's something you can build your entire life upon because it doesn't depend upon how much you give and it doesn't depend upon how much you pray and it doesn't depend upon how much you fast and sacrifice for him. It depends solely and squarely upon the work of Jesus Christ whose perfect life he gave in exchange for you and whose death secured your relationship with the Father so that you can know so that you can know, so that you can depend on the fact that when God sees you, he sees you. And he accepts you. And he loves you. And that is solid and sure, and that will never fade away. And friends, that's the reward that Jesus offers here. That is the reward, that that is the greatest reward that there is. And so let me ask you the question, if, if If the only reward you ever received in your life, the only accolade, the only praise, the only attention was when on the day you stand in the only throne room that matters and you hear the voice of your father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master." If those are the only words you hear to sum up your life, will that be enough? Will that be enough? Will that be enough to motivate a life of praise and thanksgiving that will spill out outside of this room into the private areas of your life that no one can see? Will that inspire you to live a life of service to the people around you instead of using them to prop up your sense of self with their praise? Friends, that's the kind of reward that Jesus offers here. That's the, that's the reward of the gospel. And so will you make God your reward today? Will you receive the gift of the joy of serving and knowing him? You don't need a bunch of money to get it. You don't need to pray a thousand prayers. You don't need to fast for the rest of your life. Jesus offers it to you for free. And he says, come and take it. Anyone who wants it can have it. Just come and turn to me and it's yours. Know the security and acceptance of your father. Know that God sees you, even if no one else does. Know that he sees. Know that he notices. And know that he is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you that we can call you our Father, that we can know that as a father loves his children and who would never forsake his children, you will never forsake the children that you have purchased through the blood of your precious Son. We thank you that we get to sit at your table. We thank you that we can know and rest in your benediction on our life that we have done well. And Lord, we long to hear those words. And so we pray that you would help us 
not to perform for others, not to put on a show, not to put on a mask, but to come before you in the sinful people that we are, to to be received by you, to be accepted by you, and ultimately to be renewed by you in the new kingdom that you are bringing into the world. Give us that solid acceptance, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.